Hello and welcome to episode number seven of The Wash. Even though the world seems to be falling apart outside, the wash just keeps on spinning. I mean, I've got to keep going because I know how desperate all of you are to hear me talk about what I think about movies. At some point between now and the next podcast, I'm going to have to have a look at how you're supposed to light a shot properly because I messed around with the lights for so long today, so painfully, and just couldn't seem to get them right. And now I'm maybe ever so slightly too bright, but is what it is. The video is not the most important thing, the audio is. Today I'm going to be covering four movies, so let's smash forward. Oh, and please wash your hands before you listen. The first film that I'm talking about today is Knives Out, directed by Rian Johnson, or maybe Ryan Johnson, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name. Knives Out, I guess, is a mystery movie or a whodunit. I think the genre of whodunit thrives on surprise. Like the ideal mystery is one in which the viewer or the watcher, as they're watching the film, constantly changes their mind about who they're supposed to suspect or who, who they do suspect, who they think is responsible for whatever crime has been committed. And this late in the day, it feels as though every single possible ending to the murder mystery has been thought of and subsequently lived out. But here is where Knives Out wins out. Despite finding its place in a genre that we might say is lived in, Knives Out still manages to maintain a novelty to it. Whilst maintaining many of the typical murder mystery tropes or cliches, it still somehow manages to kind of flip things upside down from within. It's got an all-star cast. You've got Anna Diarmas, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Michael Shannon. And with all of these lot in it, it's full of characters and it's also full of humor. The only negative thing that I'll say is that I mentioned Lakeith Stanfield in my last movie podcast, I think it was the last one, who was in Uncut Gems and he also was a star of Sorry to Bother You and he was in Atlanta, the TV series. He's in Knives Out, but he plays like a really boring guy who doesn't really do much um, police detective. Um, it's kind of like a non-role. It's like, I guess you would call it like a, not a, carrier role or anything but like a filler like he's just there to move the story along um because he's trying to solve the crime but in reality daniel craig's character is the one who's really solving the crime so he's, he's just like an empty vessel but then i thought about it a little bit and i can understand why he would take the role because it's a great cast to perform alongside but also you know a job's a job and that that aside, I really enjoyed Knives Out as the not-so-serious, relaxed murder mystery that it was. Next up, I'm going to be talking about The Shape of Water. The Shape of Water started weirdly, and it also carried on weirdly. I love when a film doesn't seem to quite fit in. And often when films are different, but not in the way that being different is their primary objective, they seem to end up doing pretty well. So in the leading role is Sally Hawkins, who I haven't actually encountered that much before. And she played her unusual character really well. I thought she was brilliant, um, especially given the fact that the role was limited by the idea that this character was mute and therefore didn't speak. So I guess that puts an emphasis on all the other aspects of acting, notably your physicality and 
I guess the, the use of your face, <laughs> apart from your mouth, your eyes, uh, things like that. Michael Shannon's also in this one, and what can I say about Michael Shannon? He's just like the perfect villain. I first encountered Michael Shannon in Boardwalk Empire, and he did my absolute head in. Like, this is a character that I hated so much that you end up hating the actor. And if a villain or a bad character, you know, the heel, the evil character, whatever, if they can make you sort of grind your teeth and clench your fists whilst you're watching something on a screen, then clearly they're doing a pretty good job. Not many do monster flicks as well as Guillermo del Toro, but this is a monster flick that also has substance. And you've got these sort of side stories of the supporting characters running alongside the main plot that contribute to everything that happens. Also help to move the story forward. Shape of Water is a cracking film and I highly recommend it. I mean, it won the Oscar in, I think it's 2017. Don't quote me on it, but I think it was. So clearly, you know, my opinion isn't the best opinion that is a good one. The third movie that I'm talking about is Marriage Story. And when you watch the trailer for Marriage Story starring Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson, it immediately becomes obvious that this is a film that could have also possibly been aptly named Divorce Story. And after all, in many cases, that is the final destination of marriage, you know, till divorce do us part and all that. One thing I'll say about Marriage Story is that it feels weird watching a film that's about divorce with the person you're in a relationship with. It feels kind of odd. Adam Driver, I love Adam Driver. I loved him in Star Wars. I loved him in Girls. I loved him in this. And I think one of the reasons why I like him so much as an actor is the way that he transitions through his emotions, especially anything to anger. I love an angry Adam Driver. I think that he just does it so well. It feels so natural. It also kind of feels that like Adam Driver gets angry like that in real life. And I suppose saying that the way that his emotions kind of fluctuate feels natural is probably one of the best compliments that you can give an actor. And I'm, I'm really critical of acting like I always have been, but I really like Adam Driver. Alongside Adam Driver in Marriage Story, the person that he is in this tormented relationship with is Scarlett Johansson, who does a really good job as well. And they bounce off each other brilliantly. There's this one scene where they have uh, like a full blown heated argument and it just flows like an actual argument, which is unusual, I guess. Sometimes you feel like when you watch someone get angry in a movie or a TV series, or, you know, portray sadness, especially when they cry. Those are the expressions that often feel not real to real life, you know, or sex scenes are a great example of that, where they just kind of, you know, they lie down next to each other and then, oh, what do you know? But this argument is like the mirror image of a real life argument, you know, like the type that just leaves you head in hands, not knowing what to say, not having anything to say, just exhausted emotionally and physically. This isn't much of a surprise given that the director and the writer of Marriage Story is Noah Baumbach, who I think has been frequently praised for his realistic dialogue. And in terms of realism, Marriage Story doesn't fail to deliver on that promise. There's this really bizarre thing about marriage in that it's taking something extremely personal and then complicatingly tangling it around laws that feel like they have no place in the personal. 
and Marriage Story plays off of that really well. Um, it's definitely worth a watch. It's not actually as depressing as you might think. Uh, so yeah, check it out, it's on Netflix. Go and watch it. The fourth and final film in the podcast is Snowpiercer. And since watching Parasite uh, about four months ago or so, which then went on to win uh, Best Picture at the Oxos, at the Oxo Cube Awards, at the Oscars, the first foreign film to do so, I guess, foreign to who? As a result of watching it, I've become completely obsessed with director Bong Joon-ho, which I'm happy to have said right. This is what led me to pick Snowpiercer, one of his older films, to talk about on the podcast, and it's also what will lead me to probably watch Okja, another one of his films this week, and then also watch The Host and also watch Mother. Anyway, back to Snowpiercer, and I guess all I can say is that Snowpiercer is certifiably nuts. I went into watching this film knowing next to nothing, but considering it's a bit of an older film, I'll probably just provide a little bit of context to try and reel you in. It takes place in the world, you know, this thing here that we call Earth, and there is global warming in the film, just like there is in the real world. What basically happens is, I guess, a cooperation of the global governments decide that they're gonna spray this thing into the air, and the idea is, that they'll spray it into the upper atmosphere and it will cool the planet down. It does cool the planet down, but it also freezes the entire planet, killing everything alive. Aha, but would that be a film? No, it wouldn't. So what happens is it does kill everything, except for the lucky souls that made it onto this train, which forms the title of the film, The Snowpiercer. And this is a train that has tracks going all the way around the world. In the film, you've got Chris Evans, John Hurt, Tilda Swinton, Octavia Spencer, and also a solid offering from Jamie Bell. Essentially, the train has become like a micro version of Earth with all of the social aspects of life on this planet repeating themselves on a smaller scale on the train. There's also a bit of a focus on one of Bong Joon-ho's favorite themes in Class Division. You get a lovely sense of what life has become quite early on when Chris Evans says the line in the whole wide train, which I thought was really nice. Again, just like in Parasite, Bong Joon-ho works like beautifully with colours and colour contrasts. Like you can immediately tell to which class or let's say compartment particular individuals belong to based on things like the colour of their clothes and also separately, the colour or the brightness slash darkness of the compartments that they're in. And I found this thing with Snowpiercer where it almost felt video game-like. So progressing through each carriage of the train was like going up a level in a video game. If you're the type of guy that sits there watching a film and deconstructs it in your mind, scientifically and says, oh, I don't think that would quite happen like that, do you? If you're that guy, then maybe give it a miss because there are certain aspects of Snowpiercer where you could go to yourself, oh, would that really happen? Uh, or there might be a few plot holes. Like I said, if you're that guy, maybe just give it a skip. But if you're not that guy or girl, and instead you're a guy or girl like me who first watches a film emotionally, and secondly, then looks upon a film logically after you've watched it, 
then you'll really enjoy Snowpiercer. It's just a complete wild ride of mayhem and chaos and surprise and some really great characters. Some actors who you've never seen before in particular roles doing well. Oh, and just like I had Cook from Skins in my last podcast in 71, uh, in this one I've got Freddy from Skins, Luke Pasqualino in this, and I didn't even realise it was him until like an hour and a half into the movie, and he was actually really good. I absolutely love Snowpiercer, and I just found myself grinning throughout. You'll find it streaming on Amazon Prime now, so hop aboard and enjoy the ride, I guess. That's all for today then, just a four, but more than enough to chat about. And I guess one last thing, really odd thing that I noticed, that there was a, a bizarre crossover of actors and actresses in all of the movies that I watched this week, and it wasn't intentional at all. So first off you had Chris Evans in Knives Out and then also as the leading role in Snowpiercer and he was completely different in both of the films. And I would say that this is a week in which my respect for Chris Evans as an actor has been increased quite a lot because he was brilliant in probably both of them really but especially in Snowpiercer. Octavia Spencer was in The Shape of Water and also Snowpiercer and then you also have Michael Shannon, who's in The Shape of Water and Knives Out. So six degrees of separation and all that. I guess if one of these actors caught the coronavirus, they would all have ended up getting it. Sorry, that's that's really a bad joke. And I guess there we will tie things up. And one last note, give me a shout. Let me know what you think about the podcast. Let me know what you think about any of the films that you've watched that I've also watched. Let me know if you think something I said about a film was dumb and stupid and I'm an idiot. And also, finally, send me some movie recommendations because I find that the best way to find anything that's good is through word of mouth. And I don't have that many people that talk to me about movies, so I would really appreciate some recommendations. And with that, I'll be seeing you around. Bye-bye.